Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Wednesday, December 14th. What is going on with Calgary gas prices and why does the price change by upwards of 20 cents depending on where you fill up in the city? We get answers from Dan McTagg, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy. Dan also gives us some insight as to what we can expect to pay at the pumps in 2023. Did you know that diabetes is the leading cause of blindness among working age Canadians? We speak with Calgary-based optometrist Sophia Leung for what you need to watch out for and what precautions you should take if you currently live with diabetes. And finally, keep your eyes to the sky. The city's annual Christmas bird count takes place this week. We catch up with Leah Randall of the Calgary Zoo Wilder Institute for details on why the count is important and how you can take part. The Premier has promised to freeze the fuel tax for the next six months, but are Albertans seeing any relief at the pumps? Joining us to talk about it is Dan McTagg, President of Canadian's for Affordable Energy. Good morning, Dan. Welcome back on the show. Thanks for joining us. Good to be here soon, Andy. Thank you. Uh, so 20 cent price difference at gas stations across Calgary. This seems a little bit ridiculous. I don't, it, there can't be a proper explanation for that, can it? <laughs> I don't know which way to go on this, but yes, look, uh, it's costing most gas stations. If the wholesale price for gasoline here in Calgary is no more than 80 cents a liter and you've got 10 cents for the federal tax, uh, on every liter, that's the excise tax, and 11.05. Uh, that comes to about a buck six, buck seven a liter. Uh, the rest is what's known as a retail margin, and so um, anything really uh, retail margins can be as much as you know 10, 15 cents a liter. So you know you can see a dollar twenty. Uh, anything above a dollar twenty, I think, is uh, gas stations doing extraordinarily well by uh, uh, by these prices. And we saw this play so, during the summer where there were retail margins of 30 and 35 cents a liter which we called out but uh it took a little while for them to uh, to get back into uh, into the swing of things and uh, to get those prices back down to about a 10 cent retail margin bottom line i mean if you're paying more than 125 for a liter of gasoline you're uh, you're not doing very well in uh, in calgary when you say not doing very well dan i know in my neighborhood there's one just kind of around the corner that is, you know, always 20 cents higher. I can drive mm-hmm. an extra three minutes and, and save that money. There is no law that a gas station must match other prices. Is there? This is a free market. It, it should be a free market, but it's important that people understand through this show here what the uh, numbers are. Uh, and you can see those rack prices every day pretty much. Cutter can, shell, uh, they have what's called terminal rack prices. It's not hard to do this, but it gives you more information as to who's uh, who's basically taking more than they ought to. There's no law that says you can't charge if you want a buck a liter more than what it's costing you to buy. But, I mean, it's pretty important for people not to patronize those uh, those particular stations if they're going to engage in those kind of what I call gas bar shenanigans. And so if you see that, uh, you know, uh, any, if you're paying more than $1. twenty-five for a liter of gasoline, you know, shop around. Look at other places. Don't patronize those folks because all you're doing is handing over about 10 to 15 cents a liter more than you ought to. They are literally taking advantage of us. There's a shell by me that's still at $1.37. I saw in Brooks yesterday it was $1.42. So come on, that's ridiculous. Are you expecting this to continue into 2023, Dan? Or what, what do you think we'll be seeing next year? Well, we'll always see these uh, these games, um, but I think the wholesale price of gasoline has to go up as uh, to follow what's happening with diesel, which for all intents and purposes, soon, Andy, haven't really dropped. Diesel remains very, very expensive as temps here, not just in Alberta, but right across the northern hemisphere become a lot colder. The premium on diesel prices uh, will become more evident. I think what's happened 
on the markets, quite separate from what's happening locally, has been a bit of a, a head fake. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, energy traders have been falling for the idea that COVID uh, lockdowns in China uh, to uh, U.S. Uh, Fed uh, interest rate increases could be, you know, bring about demand destruction. I got to tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. Demand for oil, demand for gasoline, and in particular, demand for distillates like diesel, like jet fuel, furnace oil, uh, you know, take your pick, urea, all of these things derived from, you know, diesel and distillates, those things are going to the roof, and there is no one out there furnishing more products. So over the course of 23, look for prices to go much higher, and don't take my word for it, even RBC economists now agree it's going to be a very expensive 2023 and 2024 with the federal government adding even more taxes, not just with its first carbon tax, an increase of about three and a half cents a liter, but also the clean fuel standard, which kicks in on July the 1st. Mm. We were hoping for happy, fuzzy, good news, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Eh? Um, I'm wondering about the impact of last week's Keystone leak in the U.S. I'm, I'm reading here that it's the uh, it's leaked more oil than any other pipeline in the U.S. since 2010, so it's, it's kind of serious business, but is that going to affect the price of the pumps? Well, it won't affect prices at the pumps yet until we figure out uh, in a week from now whether the pipeline is up and running. It's an important uh, arterial uh, pipeline for U.S. Uh, refiners, both in the Gulf Coast and the U.S. Midwest. It's the Midwest refiners that uh, that tend to send, set the price for all of Western Canada, so out of Chicago. This could have a much longer-lasting impact if the pipe, pipeline isn't up and running as the uh, carrier suggests it will be on, I think, the December 20th was the, the date that uh, I had, in, I, I think, scribbled down from yesterday. Uh, but this is obviously not welcome news for a number of reasons. Obviously, the environmentalists will be jumping all over this, saying this is bad. No one knows what happened here, but I think what has become pretty clear is that uh, greater vigilance is required. The last time something like this happened, uh, Enbridge uh, Line, uh, say it was Line 7, uh, although it could be at the Kalamazoo River in Michigan, uh, that is one of the main reasons why there have been, you know, the there has been a move to try to shut down all pipelines, saying that they're not safe, and therefore, you know, this kind of a situation really proves the point. Dan just got a text in from Heather who says one forty eight nine in Cardston at every single station. I'm feeling pretty gouged. So, yeah, well, you're being fleeced. You're being fleeced. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously. Uh, again, I, I direct everyone who's listening here right now at 772, go to uh, Petrocan terminal rack price, go to Shell terminal rack price. It's, uh, I think, the, the number I saw was 79.9 uh, for today, tomorrow. That's up a few cents. That, you know, including those taxes, as I mentioned earlier, that means that the cost, the, the, the delivered cost to most of those stations, add three cents if you want for transportation, is no more than $1.22. Why is it $1.48? Well, because some people obviously don't uh, take the time to shop. That's a a very good point, Dan. Uh, Thanks for your insight. And if we don't uh, speak with you again until 2023, happy holidays to you. Yeah, happy holidays. Merry Christmas, everybody. And we'll see you in 2023. You betcha. This is Dan McTagg, President, Canadians for Affordable Energy. And yes, to that point with Heather's text at what, $1.48 now? Let's call it $1.49. It's ridiculous. there is that one down in the south, in one of the uh, around the corner from my neighborhood. It's an ASO that's always like right now. If it's a buck twenty, that place will be a dollar thirty-two. And I'm thinking, who, who is this saying? Oh, I'll just, I'll just eat this. Is it nearer the highway? Because I no, wonder, this is it, right in a community. It's in, it's in Bonavista. Because that Shell station I talk about, it's at Country Hills Boulevard and, and Deerfoot, basically. So you know, are you? Do you know that people maybe are desperate for gas because they're on the Deerfoot and they need to jump off and grab some? So you feel like you can hike the price yeah. higher because I just will never buy my gas there because of that.
And I, well, I do get, I understand supply and demand, like, you know, on the fringe of the city, last chance gas, or, you know, that small town where you're in between two major cities or your destiny. I get it. I understand you're going to be paying a, more of a premium. Great. But in the city, there is absolutely no excuse. I like what Dan says, and it's not to, to bully the, the neighborhood guy or gal who owns a gas station, uh, but come on. If Don't if, frequent them. Yeah, if, if you are providing them business, you're giving them the green light mm-hmm. to, to bring those prices up. For sure. So, so don't let your tank run out. Shop around and fill up where you get the best deal. Uh, reward those people who are rewarding you. Okay, one more quick question for you. Yes. My wife, if if it even gets close to half, she's yeah. got. She'll tell me she's on E. And I'll say she'll be <laughs> she'll be doing something with the kids. Or hey, I'll, I'll take. I, I don't want to. I need to get gas. I'm I'm going to cook dinner. I'm like, well, I'll go get you gas then, or you can. I'll cook dinner. You can. Oh, that'll be great. And I get in her car, and it's not even. It's just barely under half. <laughs> she has to get gas. Do you wait till it's quarter? Or do you, is it half mm, for you? Oh, quarter. A quarter. Quarter a little bit below, but. Same. I try never to go below, but half? No. Unless I find a smoking deal, and then if it's at three quarters, <laughs> I will fill <laughs> that thing up. Six dollars, Sue, you, topping you up for six bucks. It. This is a surprising stat to me anyway. Diabetes. It's the leading cause of blindness among Canadians ages six, 18 to 64. Joining us to discuss what to watch out for and what can be done to prevent what is called diabetic retinopathy is Calgary optometrist Dr. Sophia Leung. Good morning to you, doctor. Morning. Well, let's break this down here because, uh, you know, I, I'm surprised by this. Perhaps if you're in the world, it's no surprise of, of diabetes or if you're an optometrist like yourself. But what, what is the connection exactly between diabetes and blindness? Yeah, so, um, you know, I think a lot of people have heard about diabetic neuropathy, right? The understanding that, you know, some of your your peripheral nerves, like your hands and your feet, uh, they're impacted by diabetes. When the blood sugar level control is poor, you get blood vessel damage. And so really any structure in the body can be damaged. And so if you start thinking about the eye as a peripheral organ, we start to realize that diabetes can affect every part of the eye as well. Every part of the eye that needs to be fed by vasculature then that can be impacted. So diabetic retinopathy is where you've got the blood and the blood vessels in the retina being uh, having issues. There can be some damage and leaky blood vessels there. There can be some swelling in the back of the eye. And so what happens is you start to get some vision loss, and that's uh, very impactful, unfortunately, to, to somebody with diabetes. And doctor, is that correct that we're seeing greater numbers of people developing diabetes of late? We are. So uh, right now, currently in Alberta, we've got 1.18 million Albertans have diabetes and pre-diabetes. So that's more than one in four people in Alberta right now. And there's an estimation that there's about 130,000 undiagnosed cases of diabetes. So this is a huge number. Um, And in one in four people in Canada actually have diabetic retinopathy. So we are seeing some alarming rates actually increase in, in our population. I would assume then if, if you have diabetes, if this is something that you live with to get your eyes checked on a, a regular basis, does it matter, doctor, if it's type 1 or type 2? Yeah, so, you know, type 1, because it's an autoimmune issue, um, there's, there's going to be a risk of type 1. The longer you've had type 1, the higher the risk is for diabetic retinopathy. Now, type 2, you know, we still see quite a fair amount of that. Um, you know, there there are some subtle risk uh, factor differences where, you know, the severity may be a little bit different. But unfortunately, type 1 and type 2 both have risks of it. Um, you know, there's uh, the risk factors for diabetic retinopathy as in whole basically is the longer duration of it. Um, unfortunately, the poorer the diabetic control, the higher risk of that uh, diabetic retinopathy showing up. 
your elevated A1Cs. These are your three-month markers of how the blood sugar level control is doing. Other things like blood pressure, lipid levels that are all kind of connected with it in pregnancy as well, especially with type 1. These are all risk factors for diabetic retinopathy. So what's the best course of action, doctor? Is it just, you know, if you have diabetes, whatever, you know, to whatever degree, just regular eye exams? And should we all be kind of concerned about this? Yeah, so definitely routine eye exams with a dilated fundus examination is key. So this is where uh, the test is where drops are put in the eyes at the eye doctor's office. It makes the pupils larger and it allows for a more thorough assessment at the back of the eye, specifically at the retina to make sure a lot of that testing is covered by Alberta Healthcare. And so there are a lot of things picked up on an eye exam that might be actually subtle and not noticeable by someone that's, that has diabetes. The visual impact may not be noticed at the very early stages. But once that's detected, then there's a lot of communication back and forth. A lot of optometrists are often in communication with the patient's family doctors, their endocrinologists so that everyone's updated and that the patient is getting the best care possible. But uh, routine eye exams definitely are key for early detection because oftentimes, actually, a patient may be diagnosed with some kind of retinopathy, most likely to be diabetic retinopathy, before they're even diagnosed with diabetes, actually. So um, a lot of times these patients are being referred to their family doctor for testing because something's showing up on the retina on a routine eye exam. Super important info and uh, timely. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. That is Dr. Sophia Leung, a Calgary-based optometrist. And again, yeah, if you're a diabetic, you get those eyes checked. And, you know, maybe it's interesting, and I don't want to draw a parallel, when we spoke earlier this week to Jocelyn Laidlaw, a news anchor in town here, if you're feeling off in any way, yes. don't just say, I'm going to tough this out. It Mm-mm. might just be a bad day. Be your own health advocate. 100%. Go get checked. Once a month, we get to chat with Leah Randall, Wilder Institute Calgary Zoo's Senior Manager of Conservation Operations for some insight into the amazing conservation work that is happening right here in our very own city. And Leah joins us now to talk about the Christmas bird count. Good morning, Leah. (laughs) Good morning. A little sound effect for you this morning. Uh, What is the Christmas bird count exactly? So there used to be a tradition in North America where friends and family would get together on Christmas Day and they'd go hunting. And then they'd get together after that and they'd kind of show each other like what they'd shot and the group with the biggest haul basically won. But the issue is that passionate birders realized that bird numbers were dropping as a result in this. And so in 1900, they initiated the Christmas bird count as a way of promoting counting birds and conservation on Christmas Day rather than hunting them. Um, It is worth worth noting, though, that the Christmas bird count doesn't always happen on Christmas Day anymore. They can happen any time between December 14th and January 5th. And this year, it's happening in Calgary on December 18th. All right, so this edition, Leah, the Christmas bird count you mentioned, or winter bird count, if you will, um, does it happen just once over the year, or are there seasonal ones scattered throughout the 12-month period? Yeah, so there there are actually two. There's another one that I think occurs in June, um, because obviously the one that happens around Christmas, it's fairly limited in the number of birds, whereas the one that happens later in the year, you catch a lot more of those seasonal migrants. Let's talk a little bit about the why, Leah. When we count and get all those numbers in, then what's that data used for exactly? Um, So I had an opportunity to speak with Matt Wallace, who's the compiler for our region, and he let me know that the Christmas bird count has been happening in Calgary for about 71 years now. 
And um, so this allows us to like track some trends of bird species over the years. So some things that he let me know is that there's been declines in some species, but increases in others. So we've lost um, some species, mostly like snowy owls and sharp-tailed grouse are very rarely observed. There have been declines in ground nesting species such as meadowlarks, primarily due to degradation of habitat and things like off-leash dogs. But we've also seen some increases in species. Some of these are um, good, but some of them are invasive species such as house sparrows or starlings. But we have seen some dramatic increases in native species, such as house finches, likely due to changes in our urban forest in Calgary. It's a lot more diverse than historically it would have been. And we've also seen increases in um, waterfowl species, such as mallards and geese, um, primarily due to alterations in open water in the Bow River, um, as well as proximity of food. And then this has led to a subsequent increase in species like bald eagles, which like to eat the waterfowl. Leah, I know people can participate, and I know there's a lot of bird enthusiasts in our city and in southern Alberta, for that matter. Uh, But, you know, A, how can we participate, and do I have to know a lot about birds if I want to take part? Um, So there's two ways to participate. So there are field teams which collect observations within the city of Calgary um, within a 24-kilometer circle. So I think, unfortunately, that one's full for this year. Um, But if people were interested in doing it in the future, um, even if you're an inexperienced birder, they can usually partner you up with someone that has a bit more experience. And then the other um, way that a person could participate is if you just have a backyard feeder in in your backyard. Um, People of any skill level are welcome to help out with this. And the time commitment can be as little as 15 minutes, but you could also take multiple observations over the day. Um, And if people want to participate, um, they can find more information and register on the Nature Calgary website. And I think this would be a really fun thing to do with the kids. Sorry, tell me again the website? It's Nature Calgary website. Nature Calgary. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Lee. I do. I think it sounds like a a lot of fun, something to do with the kids. Just get you out, get in the fresh air and enjoy and uh, do a little helpful work while you're at it. Totally. Excellent. Merry Christmas to you if we don't chat beforehand. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Leah Randall, Senior Manager of Conservation Operations at Wilder Institute, Calgary Zoo. And Andy and I have been speculating that maybe that's why Tony King is off. Speculating? That's the answer for sure. He's been off for a week, but he had to get uh, amped up for it. Tony King is a huge birder, if people don't know. He loves you know, bird photography, just looking at He's got the binoculars and his book, and he's all set up. He just loves birding. He really does. Yeah, it's and his you know passion what? for I, sure. I think that that's why, well, A... People like nature and they, they might just like birds, but what a great uh, low cost. I mean, yeah, you yeah. can buy high-priced cameras and maybe some and binoculars, binoculars and true. stuff. I've got binoculars but by around the house. But our eyes do work as well. My binoculars are different. Um, Those but, are for different reasons. But, you know, yeah, seriously. Like, get, Telescope. You, you said it. You, you got, you're outside with the kids huh. or, or, you know, your significant other, and uh, you're, you're spending time learning something. So it's fantastic, really. It's a great idea. I love it very much. Uh, thank you so much to the zoo. We always love talking to them about their team does incredible conservation work around the world.